Welcome to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Your host, Steve Hudgens, is a licensed professional counselor, and your co-host, Julia Canton, is a therapeutic coach. Together, they discuss various topics, providing a different perspective on life and insight that you are not alone. On a non-emergency basis, you may contact them at area code 918-280-8690 or coachsoul.com to provide them with new topics, feedback, or to request an appearance on the show. And now, here's your host, Steve Hudgens. All right, welcome back. And uh, Julia, you know, life is like a box of Julia's. You never know what you're going to get. And so I have been anxiously waiting for your return. And so what a great segue to talk about anxious attachment style. What do you think? <laughs> I think it's a great segue. And considering that I can be a little bit uh, <laughs> flexible, sometimes way too flexible. I was going to use the word flighty, but flighty would indicate that I never come back. <laughs> Maybe I've been doing avoidant. I mean, how how do I know? Maybe I should have been on last week's. Maybe I've been avoiding you. Um. <laughs> you know, attachment, it's, it's, it's interesting because uh, in my doctoral class, I have uh, been doing uh, crisis and trauma this week uh, for the semester. And one of the things that, uh, that I've discovered that if I approach people, um, especially with couples and working with them from their attachment style, it seems interesting. Oh, it is. It's very, very, and it's fun. I, I mean, they may not think it's fun when they're, when they're going through it, but as a therapeutic coach and you as a therapist, a licensed LPC that, you know, it is kind of fun. It's like doing investigate, uh, good investigations, um, yes. When I was in law enforcement, I loved digging in and trying to put all the pieces of the puzzle together, seeing what was around that next curve or corner. So attachment styles actually presents uh, a great opportunity for us to do that with our clients. But more important, and I, let me rephrase that. It gives us a knowledge base to work from to help them figure out how they want to cope with life, how they want to heal from their traumas, how they want to live more vibrantly versus us doing it for them. Because, you know, we don't do it for anybody. I mean, I was going to make a sex joke, but I was like, OK, I don't know who my audience is. Here, so. <laughs> yeah, let, let's just keep it G rated for now. And I, I think we're going to be safe on that one. For so. anybody that knows me, then you know that uh, life is life is uh, it's full of yeah moments of Julia. There we go. You hit that one on that. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so with anxious, you know, there's about 19% of adults that have an anxious attachment style. Yeah. And in, and a lot of times you ever heard of the word needy, that person's really needy in my relationship. And, uh, have you ever been called that yourself? Um, in the beginning, a long time ago. Yes. yes. Yes, you know, same here. And same here. I thought I was avoidant, but I really wasn't avoidant. My style was more anxious because uh, I was fear of rejection and abandonment. My father was yes. in the military and served for 26 years. Thank you for his service. I And he had to go to Thailand when I was about a year, year and a half. Mm -hmm. And I remember I had a, he told me he had a close bond with me. He leaves, comes back, and I didn't know who the heck he was. 
And this wasn't the first time. The second time is when I was about seven or eight living in, in uh, San Antonio and uh, stationed at Lackland Air Force Base. And he had to go to Korea on a hardship tour for one year. Mm. Uh, you know, harsh, hardship tours are challenging for military personnel. Um, you know, with me being in the military stationed at Fort Hood, um, we, we go for battles and preparing for war and games and such. And so we're away from our families. Well, that doesn't yes. help kids. Right. And a lot of times I think when you're growing up as a military child, uh, you are creating um, an atmosphere that causes anxiety and anxiousness attachment styles. What do you think about, you know, when, um, you have a significant other or a significant person that's in your life and it's uh, an in and out. Kind of talk a little bit about uh, anxiety here, the ancient attachment style. Well, I, th I think that there's actually several points because I, I love the fact that you use the words that that significant person or partner or whatever relationship it may be, because it could be parent-child, um, that they're in and out of initially the child's life okay so one i would like to state that it's that in and out that there's no consistency for the child that causes this anxious attachment style in the first place um i know that in like for the our veterans you know the military that they're working because as research is showing up they are doing things to try to keep our veterans and their families cl in closer contact um, through videos and zooming and things along those lines but sometimes it's just not the same as having the individual present in the child's life in a physical way um, we also are in a world where uh, divorce rates are at its highest level um, and although two adults could come together and be adults they are working from their attachment Mm -hmm. styles and oftentimes working against each other which promotes if you will um children that have in uh, types of insecure attachments and and so as a society i think that this is just perpetuating it's 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 going on all the time and though children can't be responsible for what they've endured or experienced that may cause a certain insecure attachment style um, whether it's anxious or it's, um, um, oh my gosh, my brain just went uh, disorganized, um, that it, that as adults, we are responsible for working through that. And just, and so this is the key that I would like our audience to hear is that just because you developed a specific attachment style as a child does not mean that you have to stay in that attachment style forever. It's not a label that that is is imprinted or tattooed on you that with work okay with processing with development uh development of coping skills that we can work into a more secure attachment style uh, versus insecure that does take a lot of work and i think you would agree with that um very much but you asked me a question um you know, what do I think about it? I think that we are dealing in a world, a society 
where if we understood the power behind present parenting, okay, and present relationships, you know, of both partners, I'm not saying that each one needs to meet the needs of the other, but that we understand the value of being present for that other partner, that the outcomes of these attachments would be, would have a brighter future. So that's my thoughts on it. No, I totally agree. And and to kind of backtrack and, and to uh, piggyback off of what you shared, it, it's important that parents are present in your children's not life, not as a helicopter parent, because that's the Correct. other extreme. Mm-hmm. And that causes anxiety and insecure attachment as well when you become too <laughs> helicopter, right? And so when you think about, uh, you know, nowadays, we're very fortunate that we can do Zoom, we can do Skype and things of that nature to be able to talk to our loved ones that are overseas. Now I'm going to date myself. Uh, Cassette tapes. Uh, I remember my father (laughs) would send cassette tapes to us by mail. And my dad would uh, record his voice and talk to us as if we were on the phone, because back then long distance was expensive to call to, to North Korea. Mm-hmm. Yes, so what yes. he would do was send a, um, a cassette tape of recording and we would record one and send back to him uh, just to kind of, you know, catch up. I have no clue. Uh, I wish I would have had uh, an idea of what my parents did with those because there are some letters, which is funny because I've got a letter from my grandmother back from 19... 19- 81. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dog was uh, had passed away. We were living in uh, Rapid City, South Dakota. So that's funny. We went from hell hot San Antonio to hell freezes over South Dakota. <laughs> you know? But it's those memories that we can uh, provide with secure attachment by video. Con- communication is the key. Mm-hmm. But being present in that person's life can help facilitate a secure attachment. Now, mm-hmm. when we talk about anxious attachment, um, you know, it, it's it's not being present. The child begins to be able to wonder where is their parent. Uh, separation anxiety uh, from well, the kid. Well, it's a lack of consistency. Is what there you is go. that? It's it's right. um it's it's not just the the absence. It's the inconsistency, but it's it's also not following through. So a lot of trust credits typically, when a child finally develops an insecure attachment, it usually means that something wasn't followed through multiple times, right. and so that child learns that they can't depend on others, especially their caretakers, to follow through. Some and, and in some cases that can't be avoided. But I, I think that as as parents, if we would just or even caregivers or nurturers, is that if we, we just I think it comes back to the understanding that our word is our bond. And so if we say we're going to do something especially when dealing with children, that one, we don't promise something we can't follow through with. And two, making sure that if we do say something, unless you are broken, bleeding out and growing up, that's what I used to say to my kids, then um, I just now remember that. That's so cool. Um, And that it, that you do what you said you were going to do. And, and so again, these, when that doesn't happen, these children just learn to no longer trust the the people that are supposed to be teaching them what trust is about. 
And and that's difficult, especially you mentioned a while ago about divorcing. It's an ultimate high and working as a director in an inpatient facility and doing some therapy with these kids of divorced parents. It is tough because these kids don't understand why this parent hates them so much. And that's their interpretation because that parent yep, does not want to have any kind of um, responsibility or accountability for their actions. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what I have to sometimes be careful when I'm in therapy that I don't cause a counter-transference, not that I have anything to resolve, but I get so... Um, frustrated or upset, or I can empathize with my clients because uh, I did fight for custody and I did get joint, but I had primary custodianship only Mm -hmm. because uh, I fought for my children. And it agitates me when there are men that don't step up to the plate uh, because they're fear-based, because they don't want to confront their exes, is is where I'm going with this. And so because of that, they misplace the the hurt onto their children, and they don't want anything to do with them. And that creates an anxiety within the kids, because it's like, does my parent love me? Does my parent... And I'm not trying to throw everything on the man either, because there are some relationships where women have left their children high and dry as well. And when you think about secure attachment, that's where you have both parents are invested in their child and provide some security basis on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think even, even in a divorce situation, if you have good co-parenting and these yes. parents are there, that still can help. Even though the family broke and there could be some anxiety that has developed, but if the bond of co-parenting is healthy enough, who's to say that child can't develop into a secure attachment? Well, and, and I'd like to state this. One of the healthiest relationships, uh, actually, there's two. One of the healthiest relationships I ever saw during a divorce is when bio mom and dad decided to get a divorce. Okay. They had two daughters and both of them decided after they were divorced that they were going to see somebody else. And so they both bio parents ended up marrying. Okay. They, the spouses, the new spouses, part of the agreement coming into that relationship is that bio mom and dad are rearing, taking responsibility of rearing these children in happy, safe environments. And either you become friends, okay, with the other parent, or we're not going to work because it is paramount that we raise these children together so that they understand that we haven't left the picture, that we can be mature adults, and that what happened between us as bio parents had nothing to do with them. It was, they're still married. Both right, couples right. are still married and their kids are grown adults now. And I was like, my gosh, I mean, they didn't fight over anything. They just simply said, we're going to get a divorce, but this is how we're going to choose to parent. And they have done it. So that's the first thing. And then the other healthy one that I thought was, um, I, I just love it still to this day. And I and I wish there were more parents that would consider this, um, is that the uh, in the divorce process, 
the parents didn't fight over who was going to get the main house. Do you know who got to move in and out every single week or every two weeks? It wasn't the kids. The kids right. stayed in the main house. Okay. And it was the adults that came and went. And it was their lives that got disrupted because they chose to get the divorce. But they also chose to put the kids' well-being and security in as the top priority. And um, and then the third thing that I know I didn't say three, but the other third option that I, I've fallen in love with, and I've only seen it one time, so I don't know if there's any research on it or not, um, is where both birth parents chose to live in the same house on opposite ends. Mm. Kids stayed in the home, stable. Parents lived in two separate bedrooms, opposite ends. They could come and go as they wanted or as they needed. Their personal lives did not spill into the home where the kids were being raised. Okay. Again, what do all three of those examples show the kids? That you're secure, you're safe, okay? And we're not going anywhere. We're not going to allow our personal choices to take priority over your well-being. You will end up with some, you know, because life is life. There, there may be another thing that comes into place that you don't even see that may cause an insecure um, attachment of some kind, but it's not going to be with the parents, you know, if they will choose to co-parent in a healthy way. So anyway, we haven't even covered, I know we drove right into this because you and I know what, (laughs) we know what anxious attachment is, but Steve, what are some of the traits, if our listeners haven't figured it out yet, some of the traits of anxious attachment style? Well, when you, when you think about some of these uh, anxious moments, right? You're mm-hmm. going to have some triggers to it. Of course. Uh, of course. You know, anxious of trig- triggers is going to be things like unresponsiveness. There, there's a perceived threat or a loss that sometimes could be self-sabotaging to their own relationships because of fear of abandonment that comes in. And then they begin to doubt or fear of why do you love me? Why do you stay mm-hmm. with me? Yeah, and, that constant need for assurance. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh sometimes their partner may become more independent and so they become more codependent. So some of the signs of an anxiousness is codependency. It is. And clingy, you know, you use the word needy in the very beginning, very clingy. Uh Uh-huh. And what about low self-esteem? Are they tip someone with an anxious attachment style usually isn't one that goes, Oh my gosh, I know who I am because their identity is regulated by what others think of them, which again, codependency, I love that word. We do need to do a a section on codependency because codependency is actually in every single aspect of the attachment styles to some degree or another. It just depends on if it's healthy or unhealthy. In this particular case, codependency is way unhealthy. Well, and that's one of the things too, that we can do uh, a lot more because in these attachment styles, like uh, anxious, uh, sometimes I feel like the personality disorder that comes out of the anxious attachment style is histrionic. Mm-hmm, I would agree. And and the and the next uh, segment that we're going to do is the uh, disorganized attachment style 
that I believe that this is where you get your narcissism and borderline personality disorders come from. And we'll talk more about that in our next segment. Right. But when you think about the anxiety, uh, can you get over this? And the answer is yes. 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 You know, it's funny because I, I hear, well, I Googled this and I must be this type of personality or I Googled this and I'm like, okay, don't let Google be your doctor. It's not Dr. Google. Okay. Uh, Dr. Pepper is Dr. Pepper. Uh, just let, uh, let the professionals kind of diagnose. But the problem is sometimes our, uh, there's misdiagnosis too. And mm-hmm. so we have to be aware and that's the thing of, of how do we fix or how do we manage an anxious attachment style is being able to adjust your behavior, being mindful of how your attachment leads into self-sabotaging behaviors. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and, I, and I think you just hit the nail right there on the head. Being aware, I would say that the majority of the time when a person hasn't gone in to do their own personal work, that they're un- that they are operating on systems in the background or the backdrop, okay, that they don't even know is uh, contributing to their misery, okay, and uh, which is associated with the attachment styles, okay. So the first first in indicator of of successful behavioral change is the idea that I am going to become self-aware of when I'm doing certain things that contribute to this other behavior and that I want to change. And, um, and I will tell you what that, that is one of the key component components to overcoming addiction. Okay. There are so many addictions. And one of the very first things that they say in these 12 step programs or these other type of recovery programs is awareness is key because you got to first know that there is a problem that needs to be solved or changed. And, um, but in the anxious, well, even in the anxious, uh, there's that fear and yes. just because uh, a lot of most people think that counseling is taboo, they're afraid of being coming in and making changes or being told that they're wrong. And it's important. I mean, I went through some therapy and that's how mm-hmm. I was able to go from an anxious style attachment where my parents are still married, uh, but I, I've learned uh, even through therapy uh, that my mom is borderline. She has a borderline personality disorder. Well, guess what I married into with my kid's mom, the exact same thing. So yes. attachment styles, sometimes you get used to what you're used to and you marry into what you've been used to. Yes. And I, w- and I actually want to contribute to that right there because I think sure. it's really, really important is that even though anxious attachment does not give you a sense of security because you're always in that, that state of anxiousness. Okay. That's going on or fear-based not feeling enough is that you actually become more comfortable in that anxious state than you do when you are out of it. Okay. And the problem with that is that, um, that initially when you're first beginning to do this work, it is going to be significantly uncomfortable to change the behavior that you are used to dwelling in. And, um, and that right there, a lot of times will dissuade people from wanting to do their inner work 
because they're going, well, this is painful. This hurts. This, this is uncomfortable. I, I just, it's easier for me to go and deal with this anxiety over here than it is to deal with this new anxiety that requires me to change. And, and so I just think it's important to know that it's not an easy route. And but the thing is, is that you're experiencing discomfort and pain and stress and anxiety on both sides, whether you stay where you are or you make the change. The hope in the change is that, that you relieve some of that, okay, and you take personal responsibility and gain some of your power back by simply knowing that you've made the choice to make the change. The other so, way, there was no choice for you. <laughs> right. You were, and, what you were talking and an illustration that I like to use within uh, my counseling sessions with individuals to help them to understand, you know, they say, well, therapy is going to be hurtful. Yes, therapy can be hurtful, but it's also helpful. And so when I think about this illustration, you know, we we have this trauma as a child. So that's like a, a uh, metal splinter going into your hand and it hurts. Mm -hmm. Now we say, well, we can throw medication at it to stop the pain. Sure, it'll stop the pain. But if we don't do therapy where it hurts, it's going to still hurt, even though we have medication. Right. You've got to take it out. I mean, right. the, the metal splinter has to be removed. And, and as counseling does that, when we mm -hmm. remove it, what's going to happen? Ow, it hurts. Well, sure. But once it's being removed... We may have a scar, but it never, it doesn't hurt anymore because mm -hmm. we moved it. And so that's how I equate therapy is to remove these splinters out. Yes, medication helps, but not by itself. Medication and counseling together tends to help because the body keeps score and we want to be able to remove these splinters so the body does no longer keep the score and you think about anxious attachment style, think about irritable bowel syndrome, uh, Crohn's disease. A lot of this is because your body holds on to the anxiety and you know, you're know you wondering, okay, my stomach is really cramping and that's because we get into the anxiety style. Um, you know, this has been a, a great segment in anxious style. We're running out of time, Julia, as always. So I'm anxious about, okay, we're fixing the end. Uh, what are we going to do? So have a great day and be blessed. Be blessed. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, be safe and be kind.